Anyway, 1 Samuel chapter 17, starting in verse 4. This uh, story we all know really, really, really well, but I want to pull some things out of it today, and um, I believe that we're going to go somewhere. I believe we're going somewhere strong today. All right, so 1 Samuel chapter 17, verse 4 in the New Living Translation says this, Then Goliath, a Philistine champion from Gath, came out of the Philistine ranks to face the forces of Israel. He was over nine feet tall. Dropping down to verse 16. For 40 days, every morning and evening, the Philistine champions strutted in front of the Israelite army. Verse 22, David left his things with the keeper of the, of the supplies and hurried out to the ranks to greet his brothers. As he was talking with them, Goliath, the Philistine champion from Gath, came out from the Philistine ranks. Then David heard him shout his usual taunt of the army of Israel. And as soon as the Israelite army saw him, they began to run away in fright. Dropping down to verse 32 and going from there. Don't worry about this Philistine, David told Saul, who was the king of Israel at the time, if you didn't know. I will go fight him. Don't be ridiculous, Saul replies. There's no way that you can fight this Philistine and possibly win. You are only a boy. And he's a man of war since his youth, or since he was a boy. But David persisted. I have been taking care of my father's sheep and goats, he said. When a lion or a bear comes to steal a lamb from the flock, I go after it with a club and rescue the lamb from its mouth. If the animal turns on me, I catch it by the jaw and club it to death. Sounds like he's from the northern tier. I have done this both to lions and bears, and I'll do it to this pagan Philistine too. For he has defied the armies of the living God. The Lord who rescued me from the claws of the lion and the bear will rescue me from this Philistine. And Saul finally consented. All right, go ahead. And he said, and may the Lord be with you. As we sit here this morning, we talked last week about where we are in this nation. And as we, we, we wrestle with the concepts that God has, has brought us to this place for such a time as this, there's like a whisper in the wind of the Spirit today. It's, I feel like God is going around Literally, to the hearts of his people, in his churches in this country. And there's a whisper in his spirit that asks quietly, where are the Davids? Where are the Davids? David was a young shepherd boy at the time of this story. He was anointed to be king. That means that he was, he was destined to be the one who would sit on the throne of Israel after Saul left. But I want you to understand something. In this story, in just this little few verses that we've read, one thing that is completely obvious if you read the story, and you read it at all closely, 
is that everybody around him tried to define David by his limitations. David, you're too young. You're too inexperienced. You have no education as a warrior. And while all the time that these people around him wanted to define him by his most limiting factors, God defined him by his faith. God was looking for somebody who had a faith to stand against all odds. To stand in the face of an adversary that was unconquerable naturally. Knowing that God was bigger than your giant. God is looking today for David's. And my question to us, my question to each of us, is will you be one of them? Today as we sit here, there's all these things going on in our lives. There's, there's, there's giants in the land, and we all know it. And, and as we sit here, we, we tend to right away think about the things we're struggling with. We, we look at our giant in our lives. We see the, the struggles we have at school or at work or at home or even in our own minds, in our own hearts. And we're looking at the giants that we face every day. And that's the first thing that comes to mind. But the thing when we start to go there, and I want, I want to tell you that first of all, everybody's got struggles. All of us do. From the preacher to the newest Christian in the room. Everybody here if you've got a heartbeat and breath, have got some struggles. Because there's a real devil. And he's really good at what he does. And that is to try to get into your life and create mess and, and cause you to stumble. If you're alive and breathing today, honey, you got trouble. There's a giant in your life that oftentimes we're trying to figure out how to fix, how to overcome, how to win. Have I got an amen on that one? Right. But the problem, my brothers and sisters, my, my, my family in God, is that if we make our giant our focus, then our faith becomes about self-preservation. Our faith becomes about just simply trying to get past the things that we're struggling with. Rather than changing the world. Because I want you to understand, too many times, we as Christians, you know, we, we look at, um, we do things to reach out to people, to tell them about Jesus Christ, and, and we need to. We should. That's a good thing. But, but so many times, we are looking at it from person to person. I've got my prayer list. Anybody got your prayer list of people you pray for every day or every other day or whatever, where, where you are praying that they come to know Jesus? And you need to do that. But what's amazing about the Lord is that he never told us to reach people. He told us to disciple nations. Think about that. It's incredible. You see, when we're focused on our giant, we can't see 
the impact of what our stepping out will make to a whole nation around us. That's how it was with Israel's army that day. As they're out there on the the battlefield, they're all geared up. If you don't know how it used to work, what it would be is that up on one mountain over here would be one army. And then over here on the other mountain would be the other army. And they'd line up every day in array. And and they'd usually yell at each other for a little while until they got, you know, it's it's like a... fight on the schoolyard, you know, they kind of go, oh yeah, and then you're like, yeah, and then they go on the other, you know, it's back and forth. There's this kind of jockeying. And then you, you know, if you're really tough, then you come up and you're like, push him. And then the other kid pushes you back. And then before you know it, there's a real fight going on. And that's kind of how it was. It was like this grown-up version of like schoolyard. They kind of yell at each other for a little while, and, and then they come out and fight, but But every day, this giant comes out, and he goes, we don't need to do all this. Just send out a man, just one guy. And and if he's able to beat me, we'll serve you. But if I beat him, you'll serve us. The problem with that is the the odds were slightly stacked in his favor. It'd be like, you know, it'd be like Gabrielle going out against, like, I don't know, maybe Tim Kennedy. You know, Tim's big, burly. Pastor Arlen's tall. You know, Chris Ishler's big. Um, Mike's got big muscles. So pick like your random big guy. And then take like the tiniest little squirt. Let's take Luke Fitch, who would love, he would, he would absolutely kill all those people loving them to death. But but on a battlefield, he would not stand a chance. And this giant comes out, and he's taunting the Israeli army the whole while. And they, hear this now, they were focused on their self-preservation more than the need to go out and win the battle for their nation. Are you following me? See, God wants to focus on why we are here. Matthew 28, 19, Jesus says this, Go therefore and make disciples of all nations. Of all nations. Now granted, we have to reach the people to reach the nations, but but understand that God's vision is, It's not just simply that one gets saved here and one gets saved here and one gets saved here and we all get together on Sunday morning. We've got our little five people and, you know, we pray and we have a good little devotional time. That's not God's view. God means that you're going to get, you're going to save him and save him and save him and then they're going to go out and they're going to save their three and then they're going to go out and save their three and all of a sudden there'll be nations brought to Jesus Christ. That's the view of the kingdom. I'm beginning to believe that the church has been deceived into focusing on our giants rather than confronting the giants of our land and therefore winning the nations to God. Does that make sense? I believe that we, including me, I'm not above this message. Just so you understand, God preaches these messages to me first, and then I give them to you. 
in case you were wondering. <laughs> he usually goes, all right, David, let's pull you into order here. I'm like, oh, okay. All right, I'm better now. And he's like, he's always adjusting me and adjusting my view. God preaches these messages to me before he preaches them to you, promise. For real. And I, and I find that we have, we have lived distracted by our struggles rather than focused on our purpose. But what's awesome, for anybody in here that's struggling, you've got a giant who as soon as I talked about giants, he came roaring up into your mind and you saw him plainly with gnashed teeth and a furrowed brow and big old spears, right? The way that you win against your giant is by attacking the giants in the land. See, if you attack the giants in the land, then oftentimes, hear this, you will grow past your giant. You'll grow past your struggles because you are activating the gifts inside of you. There's something about flow. Flow equals grow. In other words, if you flow in the Spirit of God, if you flow in what He's given you, if you've got a ministry and gifts inside of you, and you allow those to begin to flow, and God's Spirit to flow through you, then what you'll find is that you will grow spiritually. And sometimes the thing that that is causing us to have the same struggle over and over and over again is that we've never grown past it. But you can only grow if you get into the flow. In other words, it is only as we serve that we mature. If you want to mature spiritually, you've got to have an outlet. You know, today we have, if you have a pool of water, the only thing that keeps it from getting all algae and nasty is chlorine. Because water doesn't just sit there. There's always a flow in and a flow out. If you want to have a flow of God in your life, you cannot just simply be like the pool. And then you come to church, you know, and you get, you get shocked every week, right? <laughs> Isn't that what they call it when you throw like a bunch of chlorine into the pool and kills everything? You shock the pool. You shock the water. Some of you guys leave shocked every week. See, but if we can get into a flow, then we don't need to have anything external. We don't need something damaging. We don't need something that will cause us to, um, to have stuff die in us necessarily. We'll just grow past it. We'll flow past it if we'll just get into his flow and begin to do what it is that he wants us to do. There are societal giants in our land today. My question is, what societal giants are you called to take out? Because you are called to do something for the Lord. I mean, right now, if, if somebody's called to take on the societal giant of drug addiction or, or alcohol addiction, we have the Godhab here right in Canton, right in East Canton. Or right in our own church, we have Bill and Esther McBratney who have a huge ministry toward people who've struggled in that area. If you have a burden, if you're going to take on that giant, then you can get involved in those two ministries or others. 
If there's somebody here who, who wants to tackle the giant of abortion in this land, we have Endless Mountains Pregnancy Center here in Canton that you can, you can volunteer at. If somebody's concerned with, with young ladies and young men who are being trafficked, you can go to Oasis of Hope and serve there and minister to people who are hurting, who don't even know what it's like to have good, solid family relationships and don't even know what it's like to, to be loved just for who they are. That's available there. If you're against youth violence, there's other opportunities Race relations, there's, there's ways for us to get involved, folks. But we've got to choose to begin to move our Christianity past our four walls and past what we're comfortable with so that we begin to then step out and change our world around us. It's time for us to go out and attack some giants. Because that's when it's going to get fun. That's when it's going to be like, dude, you'll be waiting, you'll be begging you won't even be able to wait. You'll be calling me on the phone or calling the office going, you wouldn't believe what just happened. I was walking down the street and, and this dude was sick and I just felt like the Lord said, go pray for him. And I went and prayed for him and God healed him and boom, it happened. When I was in, when I was in Columbus, Ohio, a very good friend of mine who you'll probably meet one of these days, his name is uh, KJ Smucker. KJ was at our church at the, in the west side of Columbus where it's, it's rough. Uh, the West Side is rough. It's, West Side is the only place in the country that we've ever heard of, and I've got several friends who are cops, and they've actually asked around other police officers around the country to see if this is, uh, if this is just normal. It's not. Um, when there's a fight on the West Side, they don't send two police cars. They send two paddy wagons. Because it's going to be the Hatfields and the McCoys. It's going to be him and him, and then his mom and his aunt, and then, like, their whole families. They're going to have, like, this brawl. That's the west side. It's crazy. It's a crazy place. I pastored there. Um, but KJ was on the west side one day, and this guy is walking with a cane, with a significant limp. And KJ just walks up to him, feels like the Lord wants him to go, and says, Hey! Do you want God to heal you? He's like, sure. And, and Kenton Joel lays hands on this dude in the middle of Sullivan Avenue where all the bars are and, and, and the women um, who are there at night and all the stuff that goes on in areas of town that you don't necessarily want to be. He's praying for him right there. And dude gets healed. Boom. You see, if we will just begin to step out of what makes us comfortable, if we'll just begin to understand that there's giants in the land and that God has sent us here to fight, then we can change this whole region. And God is waiting on us to do it. But we've just got to begin to focus. We've got to get our focus right. We've got to get our focus right. Because so many times we are overwhelmed by the need around us. Anybody been there other than me? Where you just feel like so many times we're overwhelmed by the need. We see all this stuff 
that needs to be done. And we're looking at our nation or we're looking at our world and, and we're overwhelmed. How can one man or one woman, one kid, how can we make a difference? But this is the thing. We've got the wrong focus because everyone matters. The focus is one life matters. And if we will focus on just one life, changing one life, then everything will change. I am, and for those of you who didn't read your bulletin today, uh, my elders and deacons, we're changing our meetings to Tuesday nights. And the reason why is not because I like Tuesday nights better or because it's better for me, because it's not. But the real deal is God has given me an opportunity to minister to our athletes at Canton High School. And I was looking at their schedules, and football season's over, and I'm, I'm done seeing all those guys every week, twice a week, and abusing them mercilessly. And so I looked at their schedules because I felt like I wanted to continue to pour into them. And so I was wanting to make a small group for these athletes to be able to come to and be able to hang out and that we'd be able to not just talk about Jesus, but talk about life and talk about becoming the people that God created us to be and all those things that I'm so passionate about, about giving people and especially giving my boys. And, and I saw their schedule and the, the one night that worked, the one night that there wasn't a wrestling meet and there wasn't hardly any basketball games and there wasn't all these other things was Monday night. So guess what? We're changing our schedule so that I can meet theirs. Because that is what matters. We can get together anytime. And if you can't make it, we'll figure it out. But the real deal is this. I wasn't here to, I didn't, God didn't bring me here to have meetings. God brought me here to impact people. And it's time that we stop focusing on things that are less to start think, focusing on the things that matter most. We have got to choose to change what we're focused on. One life matters. If I affect one of those kids, and that's what matters. See, and folks, I know that there's, there's, not, there's a lot of folks, and I, I got to confess, I understand where you're at. I understand not loving children's ministry. I really do. I really do. I am, I, I, if you're less than three feet tall, you terrify me. Because little kids, they, they, I just don't relate to them real well. But the real deal is this. If we can get involved with our children and our youth, all these things that we're talking about, all these giants that are in the land, they automatically get defeated when one little kid comes to know Jesus Christ. We need children's workers who are going to step up and say, I want to change a life. And it may not be my thing. And maybe it's not my forever calling. But right now, right now, there's this little kid who needs me. Because that's what the kingdom's about. It's about one, one life. Because, folks, this is about people. See, the day that David went out there to fight Goliath, so many people were bound by their fear. They were bound by their insecurities, and they were unable to go fight. They were looking for someone 
just someone who would go out and fight the battle for them and, and bring them the victory that they needed. They needed somebody to stand up and fight the battles that they couldn't. David says to them, don't be afraid. I'll go fight. See, choosing to be a David, choosing to become a David, is ultimately about choosing to engage the darkness and to battle for people that can't fight for themselves. It's about battling to rescue someone from bondage. Some of you, has anyone ever heard of Heidi and Roland Baker, missionaries? There's a few of us in here. Iris Ministries, which is now Iris Global, started with two people. Roland and Heidi Baker. They started in 1980. I want you to hear this story real quick. They started off with just small street dramas to kind of dramatize the gospel message. I want to just read a little bit from them. Because they went from doing short-term missions to being missionaries said, we were so impacted with the condition of the poor that we changed the direction drastically and began to stop for the one and prove the love of God by first addressing the temporal or immediate needs of the broken and the humble, the least of these. We focused on the bottom of society rather than the top. After coming to Africa and starting with street beggar children in 1995, we have seen a people movement spread across ten provinces of Mozambique. Massive desperation for God rising out of a long history of repression, poverty, and natural disasters has fueled the revival. One that has sparked more fire in nations around the world and signs and wonders are following all the way. What began as a ragged band of young beggars, thieves, and delinquents, I can relate, has developed by the power of the Holy Spirit into a closely knit national family of thousands of churches and a broad ministry encompassing Bible schools, children's centers, church-based orphan care, primary education, medical clinics, Constant evangelistic and healing outreaches, farming, well drilling, and much else. As of this writing, Iris is active in 15 nations and still growing. They feed well over 10,000 children a day and 4,000 families. They have planted, get this, they have planted. We had Ark today, they've planted 500 churches. That's an organization of churches who contribute to this. I want you to hear this. Two people who decided to do something for Jesus Christ. They have planted over 10,000 churches. They operate five Bible schools. And they have a school of missions. And they have reached, hear me, over one million people for Jesus Christ. Two people. Two people. Two people who decided... To take on the giants in their land. It's time for us to step out. And to become the church that God has called us to be. It's time for us to step out and become the people. That God is calling into the battle. To take on giants in the society. So that God can win the victory. 
This is not a bad message. This is not a condemning message. This is an opportunity for us. We get to do this. We get to do this. Can you imagine how David felt? Here's this huge dude. I am going to whoop your hiding. See, because I want you to catch this now. The biggest deal is that David understood the most important thing. He remembered who was with him. So often we in churches hear these great stories of great people doing great things. And we hear these messages and and we go, oh, it's so awesome. I wish God could use me like that. And we wonder why it is that he's never done it. See, but too many times it's because we have looked at nothing but our insufficiencies. We looked at the things that, uh, that we can't do and, and, and I'm not whatever, fill in the blank. And we've looked at the things that we don't have and we go, oh, man, if I could just have an encounter with God like that, it, he could use me. Or if I could just... If I could get my education, he could use me. Or if I, could, if I had a million dollars, he could use me. Or if I, if I just simply had an outgoing personality like that other guy, he could use me. Or whatever. And we're always looking at the things we don't have. But see, that's the enemy. He has always used intimidation. He has always said, you're lacking. It's like I said in the beginning of this message. David is trying to be defined by everybody around him about what he's not. But David was looking at those things. He was looking at who he was. He was a child of God. He was somebody who the anointing was upon. He was somebody that God was with. He was somebody who knew who the one true and living God was. He knew his name. He knew where he was. He knew that he inhabited his praises. He knew... And so do we. See, the reason that the devil intimidates you and always wants you to look at the things you don't have is because he knows something that Goliath never knew. I want you to hear me really carefully on this. The giants of the land today and the giants in your life today, they know something that Goliath never knew. They know that they're already defeated. The giants in the land know that this is already done. That Jesus' cross defeated them. Made a show of them openly. You know what that means? Literally in, in Roman times when, when a Caesar would conquer or a, a, a general under Caesar would conquer another general or another king. They would take that king and the people of that land, the nobles of that land, and strip them. Strip them naked. Sometimes cutting off their thumbs and their big toes so they couldn't walk or grab properly ever again. Made them completely powerless to be able to defend themselves ever again. And marched them through the streets of Rome utterly and completely, not just humiliated, but unable to defend themselves. The devil knows that if you just get a hold of who you are, and who it is who is with you, that there's nothing that he can do to stop 
what God is going to break loose in your life and through your life. There's nothing, there's nothing, there's nothing that can stop the move of God if we come into that understanding. Because we are fighting for people who are lost and broken and persecuted and imprisoned by the enemy. But God is with you. We are guaranteed, hear me, we are guaranteed the victory. But we have to choose to step out. This is not a fair fight, folks. The fight's been fixed. It's already done. But we need to step into our place. Hear me. This is the only thing that matters. This is the whole reason why this message is being preached today. We need to step in to our place so that we can become the people that God made us to be. So that these people who are lost and are broken and are hurting and are bound and are imprisoned in sin and darkness and shame can be set free and find him. That is what this is about. That's what the church is about. That's why we're here. So let's go fight. Let's stop being intimidated by the things that we don't have. Let's stop letting the things that are around us and the things that that are, are, are in our past or even in our present, letting those things define us and forget that we are the children of the living God. The Spirit of the Lord today comes to us and asks the question, Where are the Davids? Where are you, men and women, young and old, educated, uneducated? Doesn't matter. What matters is that you recognize two things. That you're a child of the king and that he is with and in you. If you get that, if you get those two things, then there's nothing that you can't do. That doesn't mean you're always going to always just have everything go smooth and easy. How many of you all know the devil's going to fight that? How many of you know that the enemy is going to want to try to beat you into a box where you quit? But I'm telling you this, if you just keep moving, if you just keep focused on what you know, God will bring the victory. Where are the people? who are going to stand up and make a difference in the world? Where are the people who are going to stand up to face the giant and declare his defeat? Not because you're so awesome, but because of who is with you and who you are. Where are the Davids? I'm telling you right now, there's everybody in this room that God has wanted to raise you up and make you a David. God is wanting you to no longer just simply just come and just be just a Christian and just love him. It's it's no longer about those things. You are good. You are good because he made you good. You're holy because he made you holy. You're righteous because he made you righteous. It's not about any of those things anymore. Those are all like kindergarten stuff. It's time for us to graduate and to step into the fight and to rescue the people who need rescuing. Because we are the church of the living God. Because we recognize that when the Spirit's crying out, where are the Davids? He's calling you. He's calling you. He's calling you to not be satisfied anymore with just simply being 
a Christian or being saved or having your family saved. He's calling you to come out and fight. I want us to stand. We're going to pray. We're going to sing. Folks, I'm telling you right now, I want you to hear me real clear. There are people in this room that have dreams. You've had dreams since you were so small that you don't even know how old you were when you started dreaming of God using you. And it has been your insecurities that have held you back. You have been like the children of Israel on that mountain that day who are looking at all the things that they lack while they look at how big the giant is. But today, I want you to just look at who's with you. Instead of looking at how small and insignificant you are, choose to look at who saved you, who loves you, who calls you his own, who declares you his son or his daughter. Look Amen. to him. Amen. And step out into the battle.